0: You know, it. you know it. You love it. You can't live without it. Rockland World Radio. of New York Update. This is Jake Jacobs. I'm a New York City school teacher and I report on education and New York State politics, New York City politics, sometimes even Rockland County politics where we are from. And we are broadcasting live every Tuesday night at 7 on rocklandworldradio.com. And the archives are available anytime to listen to at nyupdate.org. Uh, today we're going to jump into some education headlines. It's been a while. And uh, the really big news was this weekend, uh, There, this past weekend, there was the uh, NEA convention. And you're asking, oh boy, here we are with the letters already. What's the NEA? The NEA is the nation's biggest Teacher Union so that would be the uh, National Education Association uh, sometimes I talk about the AFT uh, but this is the NEA the NEA is bigger than the AFT um, although there is a lot of overlap I am a teacher that is in both the AFT and the NEA so uh, in during the, the NEA annual convention this past weekend there was ten count them ten presidential candidates who uh, attended an education debate or an education forum. It wasn't really a debate. It was more like a forum. And they were asked questions uh, that were posed to them by uh, the president of the NEA, Lily Eskelson-Garcia, and teachers who got to submit questions on videos. Unfortunately, each candidate was only asked, like, three questions, and they got to make, like a minute or uh, like, a three-minute speech. And so, you know, there might have been, like, ten minutes per presidential candidate, uh, who attended? Uh, Bernie, Biden, Warren, Kamala Harris, Beto, Tim Ryan, um, and um, Jay Inslee, and I think Castro is the one. Is that 10? Who cares? And uh, this is some audio that uh, Bernie Sanders made. He did make some news. He did make some headlines. Now, this wasn't during the, during the NEA speeches. This was uh, when he went into a side room that was full of teachers, this caucus, this NEA caucus called the uh, Badass Teachers Association, or the Bat Teachers Caucus. And um, there's a video online. Here, Bernie is talking about uh, his views on charter schools. So let's... should not be
1: going into charters. <laughs> that is why our educational plan is called the Thurgood Marshall Plan, why it ends federal funding for profit for profit charter schools.
0: Okay, so did you see what he did there? Um, there he said that uh, he wants to end federal funding. All If he becomes the president, he will end all federal funding for charter schools. And that's not just the for-profit charter schools. That's any charter schools. Uh, you heard that the teachers were going crazy. So, yeah, that's a big deal. Uh, Bernie Sanders is the only candidate that is uh, proposing that. There are a lot of candidates that are now saying, I think most of the candidates now are saying, that they oppose for-profit charter schools. Uh, When you get really into the details, and there's a couple of articles out on this now, the non-profit charter schools also send some of the money that they get for students and and running the school to for-profit charter management organizations. So just because you're a not-for-profit school doesn't mean all of the money, 100% of the money, gets spent on schools and classrooms. Um, In a lot of cases, it goes to uh, some of the money and as much as 15% of the funding that's allocated for each student per year goes to a for-profit charter management organization. Um, And so that can amount to thousands of dollars per year per student going to these for-profit charter management organizations. So, you know, somebody is making money anyway, and they need to get into that a little more deeply. Unfortunately, these presidential candidates do not get into these issues very deeply. The discussion that the country is not having is about, you know, why charter schools are are bad, um, why it's a good idea to get rid of them, and why it's a good idea that Bernie Sanders is proposing a national moratorium. Um, You know, you have a lot of uh, misinformation out there. You have a lot of people saying that they educate uh, uh, poor minority children and that they do a great job, but that's not the whole story. When they do that, they're hurting the larger system. They're taking the uh, most motivated kids or the the best test takers out of the public school system, and so that's called cherry-picking, and uh, we've been talking about that a lot. So Bernie Sanders is... You know, talking some pretty direct truth here, um, and uh, the, the BAT teachers, um, full disclosure, I'm a member of the New York BAT chapter, is uh, they're trying to publicize that he has the strongest policies against charter schools right now. He's raising the bar for all the Democratic candidates, and that, you know, he's trying to shine a light on the way that public schools are harmed by charter schools, whether they're for-profit or non-profit. Okay, And so that was a little side room where Bernie Sanders met with the badass teachers and then also Jay Inslee stopped by. He was actually first and he had a speech um, and he was cheered. He had a lot of good lines. He didn't talk too much about education versus uh, all of his other policies. But Bernie was cheered very, very heavily by this group and spoke mostly about education. Now, the national uh, bat teachers cannot endorse anybody because they are a 501c3. But the state chapters can endorse. And you can tell by the cheers that the rank-and-file members really love Bernie. I mean, it seemed like everybody in the entire room was going crazy. Um, I was not there, but there are videos online. You could check them out if you go to... um, the New York Bats, NY Bats Twitter feed, you can see um, the video and the links to the full video, which runs about, I want to say, like 35 minutes, and it has Jay Inslee talking and Bernie Sanders talking. And, yeah, so there the big line is, no public money for charters. Uh, That is a big deal. No public money for charters. Um, Another really big uh, moment uh, during the... Uh, N E A convention, uh, or they call the representative assembly. So the N E A R uh, A twenty nineteen was when Elizabeth Warren uh, spoke, and they asked her a question. And we we're going to play now. Let's. I think it just
1: goes to the fundamental question.
0: Okay, so there is a little echo on here. We're going to strain to hear it, but I think you can make it out. They're asking. Elizabeth Warren about high-stakes testing. All right, so this is slightly different policy, but everything's connected. This is Elizabeth Warren on high-stakes testing.
1: To the fundamental
2: question of, of respect, respect for, for our, our teachers. teachers. Too, Too many, many folks seem to have gotten the idea, idea that teaching is kind of like, you know, working on an assembly line and we'll, and we'll just test your widgets. widgets to to see see if they're coming out out all right. And And if they they are, are, you must be
1: a good good teacher. teacher. And And if if they they don't meet the standards set set somewhere else, you must not be. No, that that is not what teaching teaching is all about. Teaching is about about bringing out the best in our our children. It's about opening doors for our children. children. It's It's about about listening
2: to our children. It's about responding to our children making the, the most of every minute we spend
1: with our children. That's not about testing. It's about the educational experience.
2: That we need our teachers, teachers to be in. It's about our values. You know, I was a special needs teacher. Special needs teachers understand. This notion that it's all about testing, that it's all about somebody far off in the state, state capital, or, or far off in the national capital, capital says here's, here's what constitutes success, and worse here's, here's what, what constitutes failure. failure. No, that's no, that's not, not what education's education's education is about. Education is what goes on in the classroom, classroom what, what a teacher has said is the goal, and when, and when, a, te- when, te- a, kid when a kid gets there, <laughs> it is a teacher who knows that we do not need high stage testing.
0: That was the golden statement there. Uh, So Elizabeth Warren um, actually has a history, and she hasn't always been saying that. Um, She was actually on the record in favor of high-stakes testing uh, before this. Folks, this is democracy, right? This is where all the candidates get together, and some of the candidates have ideas that are popular, and they get big cheers. And the other candidates, guess what? They change their positions. And so here's an example of Elizabeth Warren, who I really like, changing a position, a position that's very important to teachers. Um, You heard her say, we don't need high-stakes testing. Up until this campaign, she has said the opposite. She has said that we need high-stakes testing. It's in print. It's, you know, the Massachusetts uh, Teachers Association has been complaining about her, um, you know, not listening to them and not heeding teachers, but finally she's listening to teachers and she's understanding uh, the harms of high-stakes testing. And here she is uh, running for president now, trying to get the teachers' votes, trying to get the support and the endorsement of the teachers' union, and she is saying, we do not need high-stakes testing. So 180-degree turnaround right there. And so, you know, uh, the teachers... You know they're, they're consistent. They hate charter schools. They hate high-stakes testing. They hate Common Core. They hate distant uh, bureaucrats making policies. If you heard Elizabeth Warren right there, she was saying we don't need some official in some state capital or the national capital deciding what is passing and what is failing for every child in every classroom across the country. And she's against the policy now. Beto O'Rourke did not fare so well. I do not have the clip loaded, but uh, you can trust me that when it was his turn, he he got booed for mentioning charter schools. Now this audience was pretty polite, and the boos were not like overwhelming. At least not on the feed on the uh, you know the the video that the NEAs posted. There they have these professional cameras and. Um, Bill O'Rourke, you know, mentions um, that he's against for-profit charter schools, um, but he was met with boos and silence when he said there is a place for public non-profit charter schools. And he said that as the very last thing, you know, the very last part of his answer to the question. Um, And at first he tried to dodge the question, but he he, uh, eventually got around to it. So Beto O'Rourke and Cory Booker are the two candidates that are on the record in favor of charter schools. Uh, Pete Buttigieg has also said before that he believes charter schools have a place, although he is also now uh, changing that in very, very subtle ways, and, um, and if he could help it, he's avoiding the issue completely. We have been reporting on the candidacy of Jamal Bowman for U.S. Congress. He is running in the New York's 16th Congressional District. Um, pretty big. He's running against Elliot Engel. We spoke about that when he first announced about two weeks ago. Now we can announce that um, in the New York's 17th District, where Nita Lowy is the longtime congressperson, um, there is a challenger by the name of Mondare Jones. And Mondare Jones is an attorney. He is an African-American gentleman who grew up in Spring Valley, meaning he attended the East Ramapo schools. And he just announced yesterday that he's running for Congress. He has a very interesting story. Uh, He was raised by his mom in uh, Section 8 housing. Um, His mother struggled with mental illness, he says. Um, she was working multiple jobs just to make ends meet, and he and uh, he ended up going. Mondaire himself ended up going to Ivy League schools. He uh, graduated from Stanford and Harvard. Um, he uh, started working in the Department of Justice during the Obama administration. He has also worked for the uh, ACLU, and most re- most recently he has worked for Westchester County as an attorney under. Westchester County Executive George Latimer. Um, and so now he has stepped down from his position, and he is going to be campaigning full-time. Uh, it's a serious you know, campaign. Uh, it's, you know, it's not going to be easy for him running against Nita Lowy. Uh, she's been there for 30 years in the Congress. She is, very, uh, I think, the second or the first senior most um, Democrat in the whole House. Um, she is the chairwoman of the uh, uh, House Appropriations Committee, and that is very, very important. But this is some of the criticisms uh, that Mondaire is uh, leveling. He was uh, very complimentary um, about uh, Nita Lowy. Uh, this is Mondaire Jones talking. He has a Medium post online where he's explaining Um And, uh, you know, very interesting story. Calls himself a progressive, which I'm inclined to believe. I have no reason to believe he's not. Um, That uh, would fight for um, $15 minimum wage, the Green New Deal, Medicare for All, universal child care. And I I happen to know that he's for legalization of marijuana, uh, I suppose, on the national level. He's also for um, eradicating student debt. And he should know because he graduated law school with $120,000 in loans. The, uh, the, the, the loan issue, you know, the affordable college issue was one issue in itself, um, making college affordable so that more people have access to it. But the other issue is just eliminating all co- outstanding college debt. Um, and Bernie Sanders would pay for that with a... Uh, financial transaction tax on Wall Street. Uh, Elizabeth Warren also has a policy to eradicate up to $50,000 per person of college debt, which is not bad either. Um, But uh, obviously, if you're a college person, you're probably going to want to vote for Bernie. I guess you would want to vote for Bernie Sanders. You would literally, you know, literally save tens of thousands of dollars, and in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars by having Bernie Sanders win and then actually being able to implement that program, which is not a guarantee. But back to Mondaire Jones versus Nita Lowe. I'm going to read uh, from Mondaire Jones's post on um, why he's running. Quote, The incumbent in my race is Nita Lowe, a fellow Democrat for whom I have great respect. Since she began serving in Congress in 1989, she has made remarkable history. But we can respect the trailblazer while recognizing that it is time for a change. This year, as chair of the House Appropriations Committee, Nita Loewe voted to give $1.4 billion to ICE, which has been tearing families apart at our border and locking kids in cages. Right here in the district, ICE has been committing human rights abuses in places like Peakskill, Ossining, Haverstraw, and Spring Valley. Um, I'll explain for people that don't know. Uh, the, the district, the 17th district, includes all of Rockland County and a lot of Westchester County, um, a lot of lower Westchester County. Reading. Representative Lowy also failed, as chair of the Appropriations Committee, to block any federal budget that did not include a repeal of Donald Trump's cap on the state and local tax deduction, which crushed taxpayers in Rockland and Westchester. Ask yourself, what good is chairing a powerful committee if your representative does not use her authority effectively when it matters most? Since passing Trump's budget, Lowy has abdicated her constitutional responsibility by refusing to support impeachment proceedings against the president, despite overwhelming evidence of his crimes in the Mueller report. Uh, So I'm just going to break in here and remind people that um, Robert Mueller is going to be testifying in a week um, to Congress on the 17th, um, that should be very, very watched um, on every single channel. I don't know if people are going to stop what they're doing and close their businesses to watch, um, but everybody, you know the Democrats are all going to be hoping that he says something stronger than he says in the Mueller report, while Republicans are all going to be hoping that he doesn't go any further. It will be very interesting. Okay, back to Madir Jones, explaining why he's running against Nita Lowey. Quote, "...Representative Lowey has a 30-year history of getting things wrong." often to the detriment of vulnerable populations. She voted for the Defense of Marriage Act, which legalized discrimination against LGBTQ plus Americans and sent a message to us that we were less than human. So there Mondaire Jones is letting people know that he is LGBTQ plus reading. As a kid struggling with self-acceptance in the 90s, that message was devastating. Lowy voted for the crime bill, which accelerated mass incarceration and ravaged low-income communities and communities of color. She voted to gut welfare by limiting the number of years that families could receive needs-based assistance. She helped us bring the endless war in Iraq. The Iraq war did end um, after nine years. Um, The Afghanistan war is still going, and so we do have endless war. He's right about that, but I'm um, not in not necessarily in Iraq. I mean, we do still have some troop presence there in Iraq, so you could argue. <laughs> um, but uh, I just wouldn't have phrased it that way. Anyway, sorry to get too technical, but you know that's what that's what teachers do. Reading and Needlewey opposed President Obama's Iran nuclear deal. Since Lowy has gotten her way and Donald Trump has withdrawn the United States from that strategic agreement, Iran has resumed its nuclear weapons program. And then he goes on to say, In Congress, I will be a fighter for not just some, but all people in this district, and I will speak with moral clarity at all times, regardless of political expediency. This is why I'm not taking donations from corporate PACs. Nita by contrast, takes money from donors like Goldman Sachs, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, and the Sackler family, which caused the opioid crisis. Well, they definitely didn't uh, help it. They, uh, they were a very big part of it. And we'll be reporting uh, someday soon about how the Sackler family has also promoted uh, charter schools. But for now, finishing this up, Quote, in the safely blue district, the Democratic Party is capable of challenging Republicans, even as it challenges itself to be better. Next June, Democrats will, after 30 years, finally have a choice. We can remain stuck in the past, which has left too many of us behind, or we can build the future we have always wanted. And then he says, learn more about his campaign, and when you click, you go to the Mondaire Jones website. He also has a couple of uh, really charming pictures of him as a child with his mom, who looks just like him. You know, he's a really incredible story. Um, I know Mondaire. I've spoken to him. um, You know, very uh, intelligent, articulate guy. You know, he's a really good listener. And so hopefully we will have him on the show sometime soon. But that is big news uh, here in the 17th District. Running against Neil Lowy, and Mondaire Jones seems like he could be a formidable challenger because of his um, legal experience, Ivy League uh, degrees, uh, and, you know, all that. Back to the news. During the NEA convention uh, that I mentioned, um, the teachers actually walked out in the middle of it. I think it was a three- or four-day convention, and hundreds of teachers walked out of the convention center in Houston, Texas, to walk to a nearby immigration detention center, So, this has been going on all over the country. And uh, we first heard about it down in Edison, New Jersey, of all places, where a whole bunch of young Jewish people got together and they had signs that said, Never Again Means Now. And they marched and they rallied and they yelled and screamed and they protested in front of what they call a concentration camp, but it's basically an ICE detention center. Uh, These detention centers are all over the country. I've seen a map. They are, like, a lot of different locations. Um, I think there's even one in in Harlem. People have been protesting. Um, I know that there was even arrests. So the day after the Edison protest, there was arrests at another facility. Um, I know that there was... um, uh, was it San Francisco? There was a coordinated uh, protests against detention camps, and I know that this Friday there's going to be uh, even more. So if you want to go online and search that up, I believe MoveOn has been sponsoring them. MoveOn.org, um, and they have maps where you can find your nearest one. Uh, there was one uh, over in I think Dobbs Ferry, and there was one in Long Island. There's one in, the, in New York City, and so. Uh, This is a thing, folks. Uh, People are getting out and protesting. Now, there was one that I reported on uh, that was led by uh, young Jewish people, Um, and they had some interesting signs because they were comparing the detentions that are going on down on the southern border to the mistreatment of Palestinians. And so it's interesting to hear Jewish people you know sticking up for the the plight of the palestinians and they're all they're likening the camps that we're seeing now to the um con, you know the holocaust you know not obviously where they started killing people by the millions, but I guess before that, where they started rounding people up into groups and putting them in camps, you know, so it's like the beginning of the Holocaust where they started putting people in detention camps and it didn't seem so bad, so nobody stood up for them. And, you know, that's happening all over the place now, Uh, so keep an eye out for that. News story here. Uh, This was posted on July 4th. A charter school scheme was leaked a screenshot was leaked from a presentation at the National Association of Charter School Authorizers, where they had a screenshot showing their plans for the next year or for the, or the, for the foreseeable future, where they um, were kind of caught. Um, one of the... So the, I'm looking at a screen of bullet points, and it says, uh, Plan Benefits, Next Generation Goals and Challenges. And one of the next generation goals is, quote, union busting. So um, here we can see, and so I'll read the rest. Narrow or eliminate achievement gaps, increase diversity, charter management model, responsive to parent and community demand, and accountability transition, output versus input. So this is a little... Sneak peek inside the world of charter school authorizers. They are actually going after unions, and and busting unions is part of their plan to increase charter schools. Isn't that interesting? Next story uh, would be this. Details needed. Senator Kamala Harris' plan to increase teacher pay offers states 3-to-1 matching funds. Paid by raising estate taxes on the rich, it would boost salaries, an average of 13500 per year. Mother Jones, and that is the, the progressive newspaper, not anybody's mother, um, asks if the plan should focus on attracting new teachers instead. So I read this Mother Jones article, very interesting thing. And, you know, I'll give Kamala Harris credit. She has a pretty thought-out plan um, to kind of uh, raise the gaps uh, in teacher pay so that, you know, adjusting for costs in different areas that teachers got, you know, all teachers got kind of like a minimum salary, a minimum threshold. And she, the way she would do that would be offering states three-to-one matching funds. If she became the president, um, she would tell states that if you contribute a dollar towards teacher raises, that the federal government would match that with $3, right? And so that is a great incentive for states to pay teachers more. Because you get all that f- free money, right? Just by giving a, a little bit of money, you get all that extra money. You get all that extra value because it's coming from the feds. Why is it good to pay teachers? You attract more talent. You get teachers to come from out of state. You get more teachers to enter the profession and stay in the profession. It's just a great idea all around. Um, here in New York, teachers are pretty well paid. I know in New York City they are. I don't know about way, way, way up state. Uh, And then here in the suburbs, they're paid even better than in New York City. Um, Teachers are paid kind of well in um, California. And, um, you know, you you would imagine that teacher pay is pretty good in Boston, Chicago, Philadelphia, places like that. Teacher pay is actually pretty horrible and sucky. In other places. For example, Texas. Texas, a teacher might nowadays make only maybe like $35,000. I mean, that is crap. Um, how about places like Oklahoma, West Virginia, where you saw all those teachers striking because they, you know, because they weren't getting paid enough to live on and they had to take extra jobs, um, you know, or uh, or uh, government assistance, which is humiliating. And so um, teacher pay is something that a lot of the major candidates uh, have been advocating for, but Kamala Harris had a very interesting plan. So we tweeted it out. Um, Bernie Sanders' plan is much much better. He says we're going to pay every teacher in the country a minimum of sixty thousand dollars per year. Now that is great, <laughs> you know. And sixty thousand a year is, I mean, you know, for a starting teacher. I mean, I guess, I guess that's an average. I don't I don't know if that was, like, the starting pay. I know in New York City, the starting pay for a teacher is $47,000. So this would be way, way more than that, and then it only goes up. Yeah, so Bernie's plan, I'm not sure about that because in places like, you know, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Arkansas, Tennessee, where a dollar goes much farther than it does in a place like New York City or Los Angeles or San Francisco... You know, I don't want to say that teachers don't need that much money because teachers need as much as they can get. You're you're attracting, you know, really good professional people to the field and that, you know, benefits kids. But, you know, maybe he should have some kind of, like, cost of living index. So, really interesting. Um, Bernie, uh, Bi- I'm sorry, not Bernie, Biden, Joe Biden, uh, has also said that he wants to increase teacher pay. I believe uh, Beto, I believe, Buttigieg, Um, I believe they all uh, are saying that, Cory Booker, although uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. And speaking of Joe Biden, uh, this, this is a post from June 30th, and it's called Joe Biden's Ironic Local Control. Since Joe Biden favored state and local control of schools, Valerie Strauss of The Washington Post asks, where was he when the Obama White House increased federal control of public schools through standardized tests and charter schools? All right, so this harkens back to the first Democratic debate and that moment, right? The the biggest moment, everybody knows that the biggest moment in the debates was when Kamala Harris uh, went after Joe Biden. And, you know, she said that his lack of support for integration through busing uh, affected her. And, you know, she says, that was me, that little black girl on the bus. You know, obviously, she became successful. She became the, uh, the attorney general for the state of California. Now she's a senator and she's running for president, all these great things. And she attributes it to you know, her education and the fact that she was able to go to a better school. She, I guess, is saying, yes, this, this was great that she had busing. And why did Joe Biden vote against it? Um, Joe Biden corrected her uh, live during the debate and said he didn't vote against it, but he did vote against uh, allowing it to happen through the federal Department of Education. Uh, Maybe he's splitting hairs there. I don't know. I know Kamala got a huge boost and that she is actually in some polls now. She is in the in the top three in some polls now, depending which. And so, you know, that really boosted her profile. The irony that Valerie Strauss is talking about, and who is Valerie Strauss? Valerie Strauss runs the answer sheet, which is a long-running education column in the Washington Post. And she points out that uh, when Joe Biden was the vice president, the Obama administration assumed way, 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 way more federal control of schools. In fact, um, they they took such control of of every classroom, really, in the country uh, that it affected every single day of instruction, and uh, that was by doing the following. The Bush administration had already put in the standardized test, the annual standardized test, and they put in punishments, and they put in uh, money incentives, but when Obama came in, you might remember we were just going through the um, economic downturn Um, And we had this huge stimulus, this huge economic stimulus called the ARRA, the American Reinvestment and Recovery Act. And um, $5 billion was allocated for um, federal grants, competitive grants, which means they're discretionary. That means the, uh, the Department of Education can give them to whoever they feel like it. And uh, then the de- the uh, Department of Education was run by Secretary Arne Duncan, and Arne Duncan had uh, these huge federal grant programs called Race to the Top, in which they gave more money to states that promised to tie student test scores to teacher evaluations. And what that had the effective, what that had the effect of doing is that changed class in every classroom from 3rd to 8th grade across the country because teachers now had much more pressure to teach to the test to teach what was going to be on the test and to do test prep all day all day long all year long starting on day 1 to make sure those kids did better on the tests and that really changed the nature of school because instead of teaching Uh, things that students are interested in or things that the teacher is passionate about or expert in or things that are really important to that particular community, you know, regardless where they are, they instead started teaching to the curriculum that was going to be on the state tests, on the annual bubble tests, and that really hurt schools. That really hurt students, hurt teachers, hurt everybody. Obama was, you know, sad to say it, he was a good president, uh, much better than Bush, much better than uh, Trump, but he was horrible on education, and this is why. And Joe, Bar- Joe Biden was not heavily involved in education policy at all. He was absent. Uh, he never spoke about it. Um, he, you know The only time I can remember him weighing in ever on education was when he announced his community schools policy. Him and Obama got together, and they announced a policy that was just a proposal to make all two-year community colleges free, um, which is a great policy, um, and it didn't get passed, uh, but that was the only thing Biden ever you know, kind of stuck his neck out for that I can tell you about. Um, and so uh, Valerie Strauss uh, makes a good point. Where was Joe Biden if he was against local control back in the 70s or whenever that happened when he opposed federal mandates for busing? Uh, why didn't he oppose federal mandates for standardized testing, for charter schools, for Common Core, for anything? Why, why didn't he oppose federal this, federal that? He didn't do it at all. So he was called out for that. Finally, yes, now we're back on on June 29th. June 29th, we had a very special edition. Uh, that was on a Saturday, I believe. And we um, had a one-hour interview interview with Lola Osoria, who is a Bronx... High school English teacher uh, running also against Nita Lowy. Um so that's interesting that we uh, that we were able to cover that. June twenty seventh, the headline was they want us ignorant. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah covers the Rhode Island teens suing the government because they were shortchanged on civics education, and so yes, The Daily Show is a comedy program, and they had this young correspondent named Jibuki Young-White, and he's a funny guy. He went to Rhode Island, and he interviewed some teens, some uh, high school teenagers, that uh, are suing the, the uh, Rhode Island Department of Education um, because they were not taught civics. And it turns out that um, across the country, 90% of high schools across the country... Do not even teach one year of civics education. And that was really striking to me. That was really interesting. Um, the clip is kind of goofy. Um, it's a comedy show, but uh, it brings up a really good subject. Uh, c- civics should be taught. Um, we really struggle in my school, I work in a middle school in the Bronx, to cover civics, you know, to get enough time in for kids to understand it at the middle school level. And I would say my school does a great job of covering civics education, but, but we still don't do it enough because, you know, there should be dedicated time for it. It should be programmed, right? And when things aren't programmed, you have to kind of like slip them into social studies class or English class or, you know, maybe other subjects. You know, I teach art, so, you know, you can definitely slip it in here and there. But, um, you know, why don't kids get civics, why don't they get it on the middle school level, and especially, why don't they get it on the high school level? Because, you know, when you turn 18, you can go out and vote. And so we're not teaching kids civics, and, they're, and we're expecting them to go out and vote. Um, also, exciting news here in New York State, they passed a law that's going to allow 17 and even 16-year-olds to pre-register to vote. So you can do that any time, and then you just have to wait until you turn 18, and you can just go vote. So... I'm going to encourage my daughter who is 17 to go out and pre-register to vote. Okay. Um I was able to actually call in to a radio program called America First. So I'm driving home in my car and you know, it drives me up a wall. Why does New York have so many right-wing radio shows when we don't have really that many right-wing People compared to the number of right-wing radio shows. Um, you know, we have stations with Rush Limbaugh, with Sean Hannity, you know, guys like that. We even have Joe Piscopo, who I call in and I give him a hard time. But um, there's this new show by this Trump advisor by the name of Sebastian Gorka. And his show is pretty new, and so they don't actually screen, I mean, they don't have that many callers. Like, if you try to call the Rush Limbaugh show, forget it. You'll never get through. They have a lot of callers, and they screen the callers very carefully. This is a pretty new show, so they didn't screen that heavily. I called in. I got right through. I waited only like a couple of minutes, and I got right on the air, and so now I'm going to play this really funny call of me calling into the America First Right-wing radio talk show and speaking to Sebastian Gorka. My man is unstable. Okay, what you're going to hear first is the caller ahead of me, and I hope you can make it out. But there's this cranky old man. I don't know where he's calling from, but he's got the accent, and he is, as you can hear, he is a birther. And Sebastian Gorka kind of hustles him off the air. Um, I guess he's embarrassed uh, to have a, a birther on the air, and he doesn't really make a comment about that. But here it is.
1: In his Tom Brokaw said, we know nothing about this man, and he still won't release his occidental history or his drug records. He's the worst person in the history of the world. And Jill's uh, you know, original long-form birth certificate is still in question because his
0: own mother and bottom called him a bastard child. Spence. Mm. So obviously, we're talking about uh, the guy is talking about President Obama. So really incendiary stuff, right? As you can see, people could just call on this radio show and get on the air. In fact, I encourage uh, everybody <laughs> listening to this to uh, go. Uh, I think it's like five o'clock. I don't know. Call this program and get on the air and and have your two cents. It seems like anybody can uh, can get on there and do it. But um, let's listen to the rest of this. there, uh, sir,
1: I sure am and proud of it, and I'm political incorrect and proud of it. Thanks Jerry the King Wallace, Thank you for calling, Spencer. Thank you for calling. Let's go to line three. Uh, Jake in the Bronx, welcome
0: to America First. Hi there. Yeah, I was just listening, and you s- it seems like your defense of the whole oppo research question is that the Democrats did it too with the Christopher Steele. My question is... No, 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 no. I did, did, I did not say that. Okay. the president didn't do it. Oh, so you say that President Trump did not know that his son took a meeting with Veliskaya? Well he didn't pay anybody for any opposition research.
1: Nothing happened. Right, but do you... he didn't he didn't pay twelve dollars for the opposition research. No oppositional research was acquired from another nation. Unlike
0: Hillary Clinton. Right, but it was offered. So my question, like, I'm just, I'm just fast forwarding to the debate stage, national TV, and it's going to be probably Chris Wallace, right, again. And what happens if he says to Trump, did you know that your son took a meeting with Veliskaya and that they were offering APA research? Yes or no? And what is Trump going to say? Like, I got to consult my lawyer? No, he said before that he didn't know. Believe he didn't know? I believe what, what he said, yes. He didn't know. So his entire senior staff of his campaign was taking this meeting and they didn't tell him? Uh, yeah, because that's what campaigns do. They do things on behalf of the person. And they
1: don't that's, inform that's them. They, okay. De- so de- deputies, deputies take hundreds of meetings that they don't inform. If, if you're a CEO of a company, think the
0: CEO knows about every meeting? No, but in Europe, they are responsible, right. regardless of whether they know or not. All right, question. Do you think he didn't know about the Moscow Tower? What, what about the Moscow Tower? That Michael Cohen okay. was, is it, is it, was negotiating the Moscow Tower. And but what, 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 what if he was? If, if he, he was, then... It's if he was... Well, hang, hang on a yeah. well,
1: second. Is this the problem that a real estate developer... Is negotiating about building something in another country. Is that what they're going to impeach him on? I mean, seriously. Well, I mean, this is the best you have. Well, the well this, pro- this, this, is, this is this is when you realise the extreme nature of the left. A building developer is negotiating building something in another country.
0: So what? You're him? No, actually, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is that Trump was... So why do you raise it, Jake? Why do you raise it? Can I talk? Trump was saying on the campaign trail that he had no deals going on with Russia at the exact time that Cohen was doing that. And it, you know. It's it, why, is, why is Michael Cohen in prison now? Michael Cohen was in prison because he lied to defend Trump and, and he got caught. and, and now, He lied. He lied. Period.
1: Yeah, why he lied. Well, so, How do you know why he lied? Are you in his soul? Can you look into a man's soul, Jake? Do have special powers like Superman? Well, we know what he said when he lied. He was, he was lying about, about the he's Russian town. He's been convicted of lying. Right. So that's okay. why he's in prison. That's, that's why he's in prison. So why why should I believe anything a convicted liar says, Jake? Is that, is that foolish? foolish? Why would I do that?
0: Well, Trump is a liar. Why do you believe anything he says? He lied about from, from the that's... crowd size that's... to that's... everything that's... else. When has he been
1: convicted of lying, Jake? I actually work for the man. I know him better than you do. When was he convicted of lying? Well, he wouldn't take the stand, so Jake. That went. He 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 avoided
2: testifying. But this. Why why should I believe anything a convicted liar says, Jake? Isn't
0: that foolish? Okay, so now what you're hearing is, you know, I'm just I'm just driving in my car. Called in, you know, I was able to record it, and now you're hearing on the radio with a seven-second delay. So you can kind of hear the difference in how it sounds going out over the air. You, you were able to hear me loud and clear before, but now you're not able to hear me so well because going out over the air, the guy has his hand on, the, on my volume control of the caller, and he brings my call down, you know, so you can hardly hear me. Check it
2: out. Why would I do that? Well, Trump is a liar. Why do you believe anything? Uh, uh, when, uh, when, 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 when has he been convicted of lying, Jake? I actually work for the man. I know him better than you do. When was he convicted of lying? Never. No, he wouldn't, he wouldn't never, Jake.
0: That's where. Jake, you gotta give, give up. Thank you for calling, calling, but this I really am so... so I was I was trying to say he wouldn't take the stand. He wouldn't take the stand. He was su- you know, he was supposed to take the stand. Uh, why wouldn't he, uh, you know, go under oath and make a deposition, you know, to Mueller and, and explain his innocence? He refused to take the stand, you know. And that's why he wasn't convicted of lying because he said it was going to, you know, he called it a perjury trap. But as we know, you know, all anybody wanted was to get to the truth. I mean, if he was innocent, we would have gotten to that, don't you think? So here's the rest. This is what we are up against.
2: People who would want to put you in prison because you are a building developer and you are negotiating, or somebody who works for you, is negotiating like no, potential the deal, issue. not a deal, a potential deal that didn't actually bring any building to that country. And this is your problem with Donald Trump. No, it, we said it's because he about was lying. The president who gives 140 billion dollars to a terrorist regime but you don't want to talk about that do you jake no you don't because that's
0: you you hung up on me i didn't i didn't support obama and i didn't support hillary did you see how he potted me down my volume
2: you couldn't hear maybe you're not eating enough of your broccoli maybe jake's a
0: little run down i love my broccoli
2: If any of you don't have the energy you used to,
0: it's probably because you're not eating enough fruits and vegetables. So that was actually pretty devastating. Like, these guys aren't really supposed to take real calls on the air. So I commend Sebastian Gorka for actually taking real calls on the air and getting into it. He he did a couple of very clever shifts there. Again, the problem wasn't that Trump was negotiating a tower. The problem is that he was negotiating a tower with Putin as he was running for president, and he was lying on the campaign trail about it to all of the people that were voting for him. And he was and he told them, "I don't have anything in the works with Russia. There is no deal. There is no uh, negotiation. There is nothing going on whatsoever. End of story." And that turned out to be a lie. And Michael Cohen lied about that, and that is exactly what Michael Cohen is going to jail for, it, right? And Michael Cohen... And do you also notice that uh, Gorka... I'll end that here. Do you also notice that Gorka said, when did Trump get convicted of lying? Well, you know, he he moved the goalposts, right? One minute, he said that Michael Cohen is a liar, and uh, so I said, well, Trump is a liar. Well, Michael Cohen was convicted of lying. Oh, so so... Trump wasn't convicted of lying. I mean uh, lots of things he uh, was found uh, to be discriminating um, in the 70s against tenants. Um, he has uh, was found guilty in the Trump university and had to pay a uh, settlement and restitution. There's been a lot of times, but you know whatever we can go we can go into Trump forever and get lost down the rabbit hole. Um, so I just thought that was a funny. Call. I hope you enjoyed it. Everybody should, uh, you know, feel free to uh, go online. And uh, as you can see, goes on there, and he'll let anybody on on there. He'll let a birther on there to say that Obama's mother called him a bastard child, and then uh, he'll let me on there to go say, uh, you know, that uh, Trump lied about the Moscow Tower, and uh, you know what is he going to do during the televised debates when it comes time? You know how is he going to deflect? You know, when the debate host says, hey, uh, you knew the Trump Tower, and you covered it up. You lied about it. You said it was about adoptions. Why didn't you go to the FBI? I mean, all that stuff can come out. He's running for president. How can you defend that in, in a televised debate? It's going to be very interesting to me. Um, anyway, we are going to sign off for today. We are going to uh, be back next Tuesday for New York Update. This is Jake Jacobs. And we want to thank Rockland World Radio, who hosts us live every Tuesday. We will see you next time.